As I said, it is March. How many of you actually have been walking around with cleats outside on the ice? Yeah, you're the wise people, very wise. How many of you have fallen this year on the ice along with me? Yeah, so, you know, the, maybe, maybe the wiser you get, the more inclined you will be to wear cleats in our wonderful Quebec weather. But as I said, this too shall pass, and uh, it's getting warmer outside. So anyway, welcome, and um, we're continuing this series on the subject, Teach Us to Pray. This is a question that they had for Jesus, right? And they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And if you're Jesus, you're probably going to give quite an answer when someone asks you a question like that. And of course, he did. So we're actually in part five now. So you can listen to all of the rest on our website uh, at citypointchurch.ca or you can uh, catch us on Podbean or iTunes and you can listen in your car and all that. If you want to watch it, it's on Facebook. Uh, we do stream the, the content live and then it is put onto our Facebook page. So that's another way to catch up if you like. Yes, I do watch myself sometimes with you know a little bit of this and a little bit of that, but you can only get better the more that you observe yourself, all right? So welcome to those of you who are watching on Facebook or who will be watching. And please, 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 we're, the way we're doing Facebook Live now is a little different. It's a little easier and better for the people watching online. So can you please leave us some feedback as to what it looks like, what the experience is like. We can only improve when you talk to us and when you let us know and share the feed, share the, the content with people. It's so easy now to get your friends and your neighbors interested in your church because you just press one button on your, on your feed and you can share it with friends, all right? Hopefully the content is good enough that you can do that and I'm not too, too embarrassing for you, all right? I invite non-Christian people to church all the time. And so I don't want to preach in an embarrassing fashion for them either, all right? So share the feed and spread the word, okay? So uh, lesson number one, we talked about praying with persistence, with perseverance. And uh, this is from uh, Matthew chapter 6 and Luke chapter 11, the famous Lord's Prayer that we can all quote, hopefully verbatim or a little pieces and parts of it. Have any of you never heard of the Lord's Prayer? When I say that term, you're saying the Lord's what? Or do you all know what I'm talking about when I say the Lord's Prayer? Yes? It's okay if you don't know. We're on the, you know what I mean? You know, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your... Right, okay, so you learned it maybe when you were young or, you know, you, you catechism or whatever if you come from a Catholic background. Uh, so that's what we're talking about. This is the answer to the question, Lord, teach us to pray. This is the answer he gave. And first lesson, pray with persistence. Jesus talks about asking and seeking and knocking, and he repeats this phrase, when you pray, when you pray, when you pray, and he tells different stories about persistence, like this widow in Luke chapter 18 who, who demands justice from an unjust judge and keeps going after that judge and keeps knocking on that judge's door, and that's an unjust just judge and he finally gives in and gives her the justice that she's been looking for and Jesus says well that's an unjust judge can you imagine what God will do if you persist with God and lesson number two we talked about how not to pray because Jesus says when you pray do not pray like a couple of different groups and he talked about problems with method 
problems with motives. And he talks about the hypocrites and the actors. And when they pray, they love to be seen by people. They love people to say, oh, wow, look at this and that person pray. That person's a prayer warrior. You know, I'd love to pray like that. Listen to how they pray. And so that's why they pray. They pray so people will hear them, so people will acknowledge them. To be seen by men, Jesus says this is a bad motive. Even Jesus' half-brother James comments on motives, and he says, you know, you pray for things, and you don't get the things that you ask for because you're praying with bad motives so that you may get what you, what you spend. You'll, you'll take it, and you'll spend it on your own pleasures. Your motives are wrong. They're selfish, so don't pray that way. Jesus talks about this group that babbles and babbles and babbles and babbles, and they just kind of say meaningless things over and over and over again, and they think that they'll be heard because of all the fancy words that they use and all their King James prayers and the thee and the thou, surely God will be impressed by that. I need to wake him up somehow and say all these magic words and maybe that will work. And Jesus says, no, 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 you don't pray like that. Uh, Lesson number three, we talked about start with God. So our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. That whole thing is starting with God. Often we start with us. But Jesus is teaching, no, you start with God. We talked about what that means. Um, You know, sometimes when we pray, we do the exact same thing that Jesus said not to do with the Lord's Prayer. And so we think, well, just pray the Lord's Prayer. It's like magic. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses. We forgive those who trespass against us and, and lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Can you say that 10 times fast? Well, that's what, that's what sometimes we do with the Lord's Prayer. We say, well, just pray the Lord's Prayer in every situation. Just pray the Lord's Prayer and everything will work out great. Whatever you're doing, just pray the Lord's Prayer. It'll work. It's like magic. Well, Jesus, he just got through saying, don't pray like that. But sometimes we pray that way. We need to start with God, our Father who is in heaven. We talked about the imminence and the transcendence of God. He's there, but he's here. He's our Father, but he's also in heaven. And what does that mean? Uh, We talked about this concept of hallowed be your name. Know who you're talking to. You're talking to the creator of the universe. He's holy. He's set apart. He's separate. You're not just talking to anybody. You're talking to God. Uh, We talked about disciplining yourself to God's priorities last week. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What does this mean? And we talked about heaven a little bit, the place where God lives, and this will be the place where the believer lives. Paul talking about this to the Corinthians, to be absent from the body is to be at home with the Lord. Uh, Just to put you on pause and update you a little bit. Again, some of you do not know Diana Iplunchu. She attends our church more or less, and uh, she lost her husband about a week and a half ago at the age of 63, very, very young and all kinds of circumstances that went on and he passed away. His funeral is going to be this coming Friday. Uh, I wish I had Diana's picture on the screen. You would probably recognize her by face. Uh, it's gonna be this Friday over at Dash Funeral Home on Tashiro at 1 p.m. I will send out 
a, um, a communication to all of you who are on Flocknote just to let you know about it. If you can attend, I'm sure she would be grateful for that. Uh, but we talked about what heaven is, and we talked about how, wow, we, we don't necessarily think about heaven and meditate about heaven as much as we should. It's the place where God lives. It's the, pra- the place where we will live who are in Christ. Um, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This does not mean that we're asking God to make things on earth the way they are in heaven, which is a mistake that we often make. What we're saying is, well, we want your will to be done here as your will is done there. Implication, God's will is most certainly done in heaven without hindrance, without blockage, without interference from all these other kingdoms. So the way that he gets his will done there, we want that to be the way he gets his will done here. This is what Jesus means. And today we're going to go into lesson five, and I'll call this Give Us. So you're going to see in the prayer, if you look at it, you see, well, Jesus says, give us this day our daily bread, and what? Forgive us, so give us, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sinned against us, and lead us not into temptation. So forgive us. Give give us, forgive us, lead us. These are all things about us now. So we'll start with the first us, and that is give us, give us this day our daily bread. How many of you like bread, you know, on the weekends, nice, fresh, warm loaf of bread? I'm all congested. It smells, it smells really, you know, there's a great bakery right here in Zistrant, the Premier Moisson. Uh, you know, we go there so often. I'm so accustomed to the smell of their baking in that place. You know, they, they know us. We go there often. Oh, it's just the smell of fresh bread. Jesus says in the first us part, give us this day our daily bread. Okay, just, what, just pause for a second. What in the world does this mean for us in the 21st century? I mean, give us this day our daily bread. So Jesus is teaching us, go to God and ask God for a loaf of bread every day? What is he saying? I mean, go, what do we, we, how do we translate it today? Well, go and ask God to give you your Tim Hortons today? I mean, what what does he mean? Why does this have any significance to us at all, this whole thing? The first thing that Jesus says about us that we're to ask God for is, huh, a loaf of bread? Give us this day our daily bread. What's the point of this? What does it mean in the 21st century? One lesson you need to learn when you read your Bible. If you want to know what it means for you, find out what it meant to them, right? So you you need to respect the fact that this is a, this particular thing that we're reading out of Matthew 6 and Luke 11. These are the gospels. This is a narrative of the, of the life of Jesus in a very abridged form. It's not even talking about all the details. The Gospels are very looking at a very narrow part of Jesus' life, and they're a narrative. They're trying to tell you a story. This is what we saw. This is what we experienced. This is what he taught. This is what he did, etc., etc. This is a narrative form, but it's 2,000 years old in a nation that is not ours, 
in a culture that is not ours. And we need to sometimes go back and say, well, it doesn't mean anything to me, this business of giving me a loaf of bread every day. I don't know, it's no significance to me. Ah, go back and see what it meant to them. Maybe it'll be more significant to you. So when we go back and we start thinking about bread, and you research this idea of bread, and you go back into the Bible and say, hmm, what did bread mean to these people? It meant actually quite a bit to these people. If you start thinking about it, there is a proverb, um, Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 8, and it reads this way, keep falsehood and lies from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Wow, suspiciously similar to the phrase that Jesus uses in the Lord's Prayer. Who knows, maybe he was thinking of that. Maybe the people who heard him teach it were like, oh, we've heard this before. This is from the Proverbs. Oh, give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. But when you start thinking about bread and you go deeper, wow, very significant in biblical history. So um, you go back to the, the most important, most significant, miraculous thing that happens in biblical history to the Jewish people. Can you guess what it is? The Exodus. Yeah, yeah. Any of you ever seen movies about the Exodus? You know, Charlton Heston from the 50s? Modern day, uh, you, have, you have kids in the house, uh, Prince of Egypt? Very well done, animated thing about the Exodus. This is like the most famous, miraculous thing in Judaism, in Christianity. I mean, this is, this is the thing, the Exodus from Egypt, let my people go. Moses takes the people out of bondage, etc., etc. You've seen it on the big screen. Uh, but what does bread have to do with it? Do you remember? Bread has a very significant part in the Exodus. Even if you've seen the movie and you've never read the Bible, you know the answer to the question. Pardon? No, manna's after. Bread in the Exodus. You're going like this. It's, it's, I know you know this. Bread in the Exodus, very significant. What did God tell Moses to do to, to remember for generations to come the Exodus? He said you need to bake bread, but a special kind of bread. Do you remember? Un yeah, bread without yeast. Why? Why without yeast in it? What does, uh, what does yeast do? Yeah, it represents sin. That's true. That's very, that's advanced. I'm talking basic, basic. What does, what does yeast do in bread? Those of you who bake bread, what does yeast make it do? Makes it rise. If it's got no yeast, it doesn't rise. But how long does it take to rise? It takes more time, right? If you put yeast in it, it takes time. So Moses commanded the people, he said, you, break, you bake bread, but you take the yeast out of it because you, rem you remember that you had to leave Egypt fast, in haste. You had to get out of there fast. So you, you bake this bread without yeast. But what is he talking about? Bread, bread. Once they get out of Egypt and they're, they're trying to make their way into the land of Canaan and the promised land, what happens? 
they got problems. <laughs> they got problems in the journey. They, 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 they want to go back. They forget who they are. There's all kinds of sin with all these, you know, hundreds of thousands of people conceivably and all these problems. They start complaining. They start saying we had better food back there. We should go back there. And what does God do? What does he give them? What does he, he gives them bread again. This time he drops it out of the sky. He said, let me remind you how faithful I am. I'll drop it out of the sky. It'll be ready to eat. It falls out of the sky and drops on the ground. All you have to pick, all you have to do is pick it up and eat it. You don't even have to travel to go and get it. I will make it fall out of the sky. Okay? And so very significant. Wow, bread. And you you start thinking about bread and you watch bread all throughout the Bible from the way back from the Exodus all the way through. And you see it's very important because back then bread was like the sustenance item for the people. It's not like the culture today where this is viewed as nothing for us. For them, that was really, really important. That meant you had had sustenance for the day and you can see it. Oh, I lost my connection here. Just hold on. Let me get it back. You know why that happens? Because I'm too long-winded. Hold on here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm getting back to the future here. Hold on. My face is red. Those of you on Facebook, don't look. Okay, um, uh, yeah, so fast forward to... Are we back? Yeah, okay, we're back live. So... Um, Even in the Gospel of Matthew, when you look at uh, what Jesus is talking about with bread, uh, what happens when he is tempted by Satan in the wilderness? He's hungry. He hasn't eaten for almost a month and a half. And what does the tempter say to him? He has him look at some rocks and he says, turn these stones into bread if you are the son of God. And what is Jesus' answer? Man does not live on bread alone, but on every uh, word that comes from the mouth of God. Uh, Luke 11, Luke's picture of the Lord's Prayer. When he, when he finishes recording the prayer of Jesus, he, he, Jesus tells a story, again, about persistence. And the story is about uh, two friends, and one of them has company that comes in late at night. So, the, so he goes to his friend and he says, listen, I've got, I've got a surprise. I've got uh, someone who's come to visit me from a far off land. They've come late at night. Can you give me, what, three loaves of bread? Because a friend of mine has come on a journey to me. So very, very significant back then. This is daily sustenance for those people. Again, it's not like today where now we can snap our little fingers and we can even press buttons on our phone and we can get food delivered to us. Did you know that those of you who can't cook, now you don't have to anymore? You can press buttons on your phone and they will deliver it to your door, piping hot. Some people do that. Uh, Back then, it wasn't quite like that. And back there, it wasn't quite like that. So when you say, give us this day our daily bread, what are you saying? God, give me daily bread sustenance. I need what I need to make it through the day physically, to physically sustain me. This is basic sustenance that he is talking about. And so when you pray, you're praying, God, give me 
what I need to make it through today. Sounds pretty simple, but there's all kinds of implications behind this. Number one, he says, give us this day our daily bread. So you, you may not know this. Again, you have to do a bit of digging, but we don't really know what that word daily means. So the, the New Testament is written in the Greek language, the common Greek language of the day, 2,000 years ago. Um, and Jesus probably didn't, didn't say these words in Greek. He probably said them in Aramaic. Maybe he said them in Greek. We don't know. But the writer, Matthew, gives us a word here that we translate daily, and we don't have a clue what this word means. Uh, Luke uses the same word. It's a word that we don't see anywhere in the New Testament. It's a word that we don't see anywhere at that time in the first century in any literature until we get to about the fourth century in totally non-Christian documents, non-Hebrew documents. We see the word used one time. And the way it seems to be used is to mean daily. And so that's how we translate it. We say, give, this, give us this day our daily bread. So I put the word in quotes there, daily. But what is it teaching? You're daily depending on God. Implication, you're going to pray the same prayer tomorrow. You're going to do the exact same thing tomorrow because all you're asking for is enough for the day. So what that means is you're going to come to God again, and you're going to depend on God again. And it's not going to be a year from now. It's not going to be a month from now. It's going to be the very next day. So what Jesus is trying to say here is you need to learn to daily depend on God, even for your daily sustenance. He's not saying give us this day our bread for a year. Because if you did that, well, God, I'll see you next year when I need more bread, right? So it's give us this day our, our daily bread. You will do the same thing tomorrow. Uh, another implication, because we asked this question, well, it seems so strange. Like, why would God ask me to do something that I can do for myself? I don't need to go pray to God to go and get bread, if I need bread, what do I do? I walk to the bakery or I get in my nice car and I go to the bakery, I get on my, you know, bus metro walk, whatever, and I go to the bakery and I take out my hard-earned money that I earn myself and I go and I buy my bread and I bring my bread home and I eat my bread or maybe I'll eat my bread there. After all, it's my bread. I earned it, I bought it, and it's mine. Don't tell me I need to come to God for bread. It's insulting. I can, I can get bread myself. Why do I need to do that? That's what a lot of people would say today. So what, is it, what does it mean? It means, ah, 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 you need to wait. You need to wait and you need to think about that because, yep, you have your job and, yeah, you've earned your income and, yeah, you've done all of that. But as we sung today, even the breath that I breathe is actually from God. Even the ability that I have to, to make, you know, go out and get work and all that, Ultimately, I need to remember that that is not just because of me. Ultimately, I need to remember that's because of God. And I better not forget that because he gave me the ability to do all those things. So even in a secondary sense, it's all from God. 
So you can't just say, well, you know, I, I really don't need God for any of this. I can, I can get what I need. Why do I need to even ask him? The person who's like that has forgotten that, hey, 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 even that bread, that you, even that basic sustenance, you just remember to acknowledge God for that. A lot of Christians have a practice. You don't really see much evidence of it in the New Testament. Uh, it's more of a tradition than a, than a command. But a lot of Christians pray before they eat. Do you do that? I do that because I'm a pastor. And if, if I go out with people and, you know, and I don't pray before I eat, they think I'm unspiritual, so I have to pray before I eat. But you don't really see a command in Scripture, thou shalt pray before thine eat thy food. Uh, however, when you do that, you're remembering, ah, 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 wait a second, this is not just me. I acknowledge my creator here because by his grace, I live in a place in the world and in, in a situation where I've got health, I've got strength, I can go out, I can make money, and I can buy bread. But I acknowledge that that comes from God. So don't do the Christian naturalist thing where, oh, well, I can just do it for myself. No, 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 no. Nothing that you do ultimately is because of just you and you alone. Uh, another implication of this, when you're asking for something as simple as bread, you're asking for what you need, not necessarily what you want. And there is a difference between the two. I really want a Tesla. I really think a Tesla would be just a wonderful vehicle to drive, you know? I really want a Mustang convertible. I just think, you know, a, a big old F-150 even. I would really enjoy driving a vehicle like that. You know, I want a bigger house. I want a bigger car. I want a shoebox full of $100 bills. You want to make me happy? Give me a shoebox full of $100 bills. I won't even ask you where it came from. And I promise I'll tithe it to the church. Okay, so you understand where I'm going. There's a lot of things that we want, but sometimes our wants are, you know what they are? Just greed is what they are. And this thing of praying for a loaf of bread, this is what you need. It's what you need to get through the day. It's not necessarily what you want. And you have to learn to distinguish between the two because God, if he gave you what you wanted all the time, you know what you would be? Those of you who have children, if you give your children everything they want all the time, what do they turn into? You can say it. Selfish, spoiled, brats, I'll go even further, devils. You give the kid everything that they want all the time, you're raising the devil. You're raising Lucifer. That's what's going to happen. And they are going to believe that the world revolves around, around them. And that's going to be a very selfish, proud adult if you give them everything that they want all the time, this is not what God does. He is a responsible parent, right? So he doesn't give us everything that we want, but he does promise, ask me for what you need. You need bread. You want the Ferrari, but I'm prepared to give you, I'm prepared to give you bread. So when you pray for things, implication, that will, that will give you a filter through which to pray. If you find yourself praying to win the Powerball, 
or the 649, and you know, you try and convince God and bend his arm backwards, you know, God, I'll leave and tithe it. They can buy their stage. It can be a golden stage because it's a Powerball. I'll give them a golden stage if you give me the Powerball. You know what that is? It's a, that, that, that prayer, God is not inclined to answer. Now, he may answer it with a yes. He may. But he, you be careful if he does because he might have a very large plan with that yes uh, that is, might involve a lot of pain later. So that's not necessarily a prayer <laughs> that you want to pray if you use Jesus' prayer as a model. You see, give us this day our daily bread. So it's what you need rather than what you want. Uh, Another implication, you're asking God today for what you need today? Strange. You mean you can't ask God today for what you need tomorrow? Well, he's not saying that. Jesus is saying, and by the, he's not saying, and by the way, don't ask God for anything tomorrow. It's just that he's not addressing it. What he's saying is, what's important is, what you need to get through today. Implication, again, you may not know what comes tomorrow. So you need to depend on God daily, and you need to ask God for what you need today, today. And if you don't believe me, you can continue to read this chapter um, on the, the, the Sermon on the Mount. This prayer is really buried in Jesus' longest, um, longest sermon there. And uh, look what he says in Matthew 6 and verses 25 to 34. So you just jump down a little more on the page. And he says, therefore, I tell you, listen, those of us in the 21st century, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat, what you'll drink about your body, what you will wear. Any of you watch the Oscars this year? I always watch just to see what people are wearing. So Lady Gaga was wearing, uh, what was it? Uh, it was from Audrey Hepburn. She was wearing a diamond necklace, I think, from Audrey Hepburn. That's like from the 1950s. I don't know how many millions of dollars it was worth, uh, but I found that quite interesting that Lady Gaga, who won the uh, won the just saying that name is funny. Lady, who won the Oscar for her Gaga song there, Shallow. Do you know that song? Okay, you listen to it all the time, I'm sure. Uh, so anyway, uh, uh, what you will wear is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes. Look at the birds. They don't sow, they don't reap, they don't store away in barns. Look, you could even learn a lesson from birds. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Just a side note for you. Jesus is not a Darwinist, okay? Are you humans not more, more valuable than they, the birds? Who by, by worrying can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about your clothes? Look at the flowers, he says. Look at the lilies of the field. They don't labor. They don't spin around trying to make themselves pretty, trying to look like Lady Gaga. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon, very rich guy in the Old Testament, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. Wow, if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire. 
How much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? Do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear for the pagans? Run after all these things that your heavenly father knows that you need them, but seek first his kingdom. Ah, there's that kingdom thing again, and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. Give us this day our daily bread. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Wow, wise, wise advice. Now, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't go and um, buy our RSPs. <laughs> How many of you know, I think tomorrow's the deadline. So if you haven't bought your RRSPs yet, you, might, you better get on the phone and call your bank today and buy your RRSPs. And Jesus is not saying don't plan for your future. He's not saying don't invest. He's not saying don't think ahead. I mean, the Bible has many, many examples of people thinking ahead. Right back in the book of Genesis, you see people thinking ahead. Joseph prevents a famine. He thinks seven years ahead and comes up with an insurance policy to save the nation. So it's not bad to think ahead. But what's he teaching here? He's saying, hey, listen, remember, your life is short. Remember, you have no guarantees for tomorrow. And remember, you need to daily depend on God for what you need today. Tomorrow is another day. Tomorrow has enough worry of itself. Uh, you see that Jesus' half-brother, James, whose, whose book of James reads suspiciously like the Sermon on the Mount. And you see James in chapter 4, verses 13 and 14. He says kind of the same thing. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow will go to do this, We'll go to that city, we'll spend a year there, we'll carry on business, we'll make money. And he says, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? Your life is a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Wow, that'll sober you. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we'll do this or do that. As it is, you boast and you brag. I mean, your life is short, he's saying. Focus on what you need from God today for what you need Today, again, doesn't mean don't think about the future. It just means you have no guarantee of what tomorrow may hold. Uh, and finally, this whole thing of bread, when you, again, you start thinking about it, Jesus says, give us this day our daily bread. Hmm. In John's gospel, Jesus has a, an image that he, he picks on to describe who he is. And guess what that image is? It's the image of bread. And this you only see in John's gospel. It's in John chapter 6. And the way he lays it out there, it's after feeding thousands of people with, guess what, bread. And there is a discussion that some of the religious elite have with Jesus. There is certainly a tone of attack to the discussion. And uh, Jesus, uh, you know, you, you pick up the discussion here. It's a good place. Uh, they say to him, what must we do to do the works that God requires? Probably a loaded question, probably a trick question. And Jesus answers, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. <laughs> so he puts the whole attention on himself. And he says, you want to know what to do to do what God requires? You're looking at him right now. You need to believe in me. And so they say, well, okay, okay. What miraculous sign then will you give 
that we may see it and believe you. So they're trying to test him. Well, do a magic trick then. Do a sign. Do something and then maybe we'll believe you. And they say, here's an example. Our forefathers ate the manna in the desert. Again, this is back in the law, back in the Old Testament where the, the stuff fell from the sky. Our forefathers ate the manna in the desert as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Yeah, quote even from the Old Testament. And Jesus, who knows his Old Testament very well, uh, the, the, the quote actually in the context says that the Lord gave them the manna. Not that Moses gave it to them, but that the Lord gave it to them. And Moses keeps explaining this to them. And Jesus says he, here to this argument, I tell you the truth, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. Again, putting the attention back on himself. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. So they say, well, we want to eat that bread then, right? Sir, they said, from now on, give us this bread. And so Jesus boldly declares it. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. And he who believes in me will never be thirsty and he brings the attention right back to him right back to himself and he reiterates to the people in verse 49 uh, in verse 48 uh, i am the bread of life your forefathers they ate that manna in the desert and yet they died and you see that in the book uh, in, in the in the old testament in the book of numbers for example you see that these people got the manna from the sky and what did they do eventually they got sick of that too and the whole generation of them perished in the wilderness. And a new generation went into the promised land under Joshua. And Jesus reminds me, he said, they ate that manna, but they died. Uh, verse uh, uh, 58, same thing. This is the bread that came down from heaven, referring to himself. Your fathers, they ate that manna and they died. But he who feeds on this bread will live forever bringing the attention to himself. So when you're praying, give us this day our daily bread. Wow, the implications of this prayer go really, really wide. 